Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. So look at your neighbor and say, it's going down. Look at your second choice and say, don't stop now. Don't stop now. Let me pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, I know that you have something for us today, God. It's like fresh bread in the oven. You can smell it. Lord, it builds anticipation. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to taste it. You said that man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, Lord, may we feast on that beautiful reality today. And, Lord, may we see you clearly, Jesus. God, may we embrace your heart, your will. And, Lord, I pray that we would catch what you are saying today. May we encounter you in a real way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. It's going to be a little, a little, a little bit different um, this morning. It's so interesting. Sometimes God shows up unexpectedly. And you're not really exactly, you weren't anticipating it, or maybe you were, but you didn't expect it to transpire the way that it did. It was so cool because on Wednesday night, you know God is moving when you and your spouse are on the same page. You know like God is in it. And uh, Wednesday night, we were worshiping. We had our first Wednesday here. I'm standing right here, and I'm on my phone. If you ever see me on my phone during worship, I'm not texting. I'm normally looking up a passage. I'm writing something down that I feel like God is speaking to me. And, uh, and so, so God dropped in my spirit about rain in 1 Kings chapter 18. So I, I'm literally getting ready to get up and share that, and Jackie steps off the platform. She comes to us, and she says, hey, babe, I really feel like God has impressed a word in my heart about rain. I was like, girl, you are hearing from the Lord. <laughs> so I said, go ahead, go. You go first, and then I'll come behind you. And, you know, a word from the Lord or a prophetic word is designed to build up the body, to encourage the body. It's always going to be rooted in Scripture, and I feel like it's beautiful because God gave her the word, and he gave me the text. And that's normally how our marriage kind of works. I'm kind of the text guy, and she's the worshiper. And... It's just, it's, it's, it's incredible because when, when God syncopates, if that's even a word, I think it's a word, um, syncopates us in such a way, I had no idea what she was getting ready to speak, but there was such alignment. And then I got to take that home this week and we got to pray over it and through it. And I really believe that this is something for our church. I want to kind of recap what it was. Jackie said, I got a picture of rain coming down and hitting a cellar, like a wine cellar, underground. He said that it was, it, the rain was hitting the cellar door only to bounce off. The rain wasn't being absorbed. And the sense I got from the Lord was the cellar door represents the condition of hearts that are not able to receive what God is pouring out. And it was interesting because as I got to go home and pray about it, and Jackie and I were kind of processing, in a time of prayer, God dropped this in my heart, that the, the cellar door, it's, it's not just a heart that's hard. It's a heart that's quit. It's a heart that's given up. So it's just, it's just, it's unable to receive because it's no longer looking. It's no longer. And, and then, then 
so this is real, real talk. If everybody wants to know, like, how does God speak to you? How do you hear from God? I mean, this is, these are simple moments. I'm studying God's word. I'm, I'm praying, and God just begins to drop things in your spirit. And so, oh, no, 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 where are you going? Go back. What happened? Don't be messing with my slides. Not on this one. Um, and... Uh, and it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm, I'm praying and, and God brings Judges chapter 6, Gideon, to my mind. And Gideon, God finds him hiding in a wine press behind a cellar door, if you would. Underground, dominated by the Midianites, had really given up hope of possibility of transformation or change. God shows up and it says that Gideon is hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat, which is, is a kind of a ridiculous picture because normally you would thresh wheat on a hill where there's wind. But he's in a wine press where there's no wind and there's no rain. And trying to, you know, throw up the wheat, normally the wind would blow the shaft away and the grain would fall. And so it just was a ridiculous picture of somebody trying to survive but living a very defeated life. And so God looks at Gideon and he says, mighty warrior, mighty warrior. And Gideon is unable to receive that comment. He's unable to receive what God is pouring out because he's given up. He says, what do you mean mighty warrior? He said, I'm the least in my clan and my tribe is the least in Manasseh. He's like, what do you mean mighty warrior? He couldn't see what God was saying. In fact, he said this. He said, what, what happened to the wonders that, I used, that I've been told about? What happened to all the miracles and all the things that I heard of about you that we don't see anymore? So you could see the heart of Gideon was like, I just don't know if I believe this stuff anymore. And so here Gideon is, is wrestling with God, and he had a hard time receiving because he had given up. It's hard to receive when you quit. A cellar door, a wine press. So God dropped this passage into my heart, but he dropped 1 Kings chapter 18 later in the chapter in the verses of 42 and following. So this week I went back and I was able to dive in. Can I just tell you, whenever God speaks something to you, you want to go back and steward it. Don't, don't just be like, take it. Oh, that's awesome. No, take it and say, God, is this what you're really saying? Test the word. Test the spirit. God, what, what are you saying to our church in this hour? And um, 1 Kings 18, 1 and 2, it says, After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elisha. Go present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the land. So Elisha went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. So God gave Elisha a promise of rain, and they're experiencing a heavy drought with no water. It's been a tough season. It's been a long season. And then there's a battle where Elisha goes to battle against the prophets of Baal. And it's so funny because Elijah is so confident in God. He challenges hundreds of prophets of Baal and Asherah, calls fire down from heaven to prove that his God was greater than Baal and had them captured and seized 
and then it transitions into this moment. Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. Everybody say a sound. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elisha climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elisha said, go back, go back. It's interesting. So you have the promise, you have a battle, which is really constructed around prayer because Elisha said, you cry out to your God, you pray to your God, I'm going to pray to my God and let's see whose God wins. And so we see that the prophets of Baal and Asherah, they were struggling because nothing was happening. They were cutting themselves. They were doing whatever they could to try to get the attention of their God. And Elisha even got a little sarcastic and was like, hey, is he indisposed? Is he in the restroom? And then Elisha just in a simple prayer calls out to God and boom, fire comes down, consumes the altar. Just an amazing moment. All this is taking place and it still hasn't rained yet. And so the battle is over and Elisha goes back and like, man, God gave us a promise that it's going to rain. But sometimes you have to hear before you can see. You have to hear what God is saying before you can see what God is doing. And I'm not trying to be clever with my words. This is like, this is the text. You have to, you have to hear because he heard the word of the Lord. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. He heard, he had the promise. God said, let it be known. I'm going to send a heavy rain. So he was able to hear, and because he was able to hear, he was able to see something that everybody else couldn't see. He was listening, he was waiting, and he put his face in between his knees. God spoke a promise of rain, and now he has a posture of prayer. This this idea of your head between your knees uh, in this ancient culture, they would have used the term supplication, which is earnest, humble petition or asking. Like, God, I know that you said, I know this is what you said, and and we're going to pray and we're going to look. We're going to pray and we're going to look. And so he told him, he said, go back six times. Each time, clear skies. Beautiful day. Not what you want to see when you have a promise of rain. It was interesting, my, my daughter, I lost my wallet not too long ago, which is not a surprise to most people. Uh, my keys in my wallet. It's always a detriment. And, uh, and I looked everywhere. I looked in the truck several times. I looked everywhere to try to find my wallet. So I just thought I, maybe I dropped it somewhere, ordered a new ID, canceled all my credit cards. How many of you know that's a, that's a nightmare? Because, you know, you have, you have things attached to automatic payments. If you can do ACH, just connect it to your bank. It's so much easier to, to do automatic payments that way. But I, I went and redid everything. And all of a sudden, my little, my youngest daughter, Hannah, walks into the house. She says, hey, Dad, this is like two weeks later. I found your wallet. I was like, where did you find it? In the back seat of the truck. In my mind, I was like, I looked at that truck like a thousand times. How did I not see it in the back? It cost me so much time. It cost me so it cost me money because I had to, you know, buy you know my new ID. I had to do all these different things. All of this because I stopped looking. And I felt like God say last night to me, Matt, I, I need you to get back to having a faith like Hannah. 
you need to get back to a childlike faith because unless you receive the kingdom of God or believe in me like one of these children, you won't inherit it. God is calling us back to a simplicity of faith. But six times he said, go back. I mean, think about the, the way that that would feel. Hey, go look. All right. Yeah, nothing's there. Go back. Nothing's there. Go back. So many times I think we, we get very weary very quickly today. I think that technology, has, is, as much as we love to speed up things, things, it's messing with our perseverance. We're not able to endure like we used to. Because if, it, if it's not working quickly, we just think it's not working. And so how often we quit so early. We stop looking so quickly. And so he, he just kept saying, go back, go back. We're going to pray, and we're going to go back, pray, and we're going to go back, pray, go back, go back. And so finally, on the seventh time, his servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand. That means it's clear skies, and you just see this little speck in the distance. Because if you put your hand up to the sky, you can kind of get an idea of how far away that was. And so Elijah, full of faith, says, hitch up, hitch up your chariot. Go down before the rain stops you. Well, it's far away. It's like a man's hand. It's, it's way off in the distance. Meanwhile, the sky grew gray and black with black clouds. The wind rose and a heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. And I love this. The power of the Lord came on Elisha, tucking his cloak into his belt like we talked about last week, tucked in his little robe. And he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now, it was kind of a, 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 a picture of honor for the king, but it was a supernatural run and empowerment that God gave him to go before and ahead of the chariot. Can I just say for a moment, this servant went out seven times. Shout out to those that believe with you. Shout out to those that endure with you. Shout out to those that aren't like, bro, it's the third time. Stop it already. Four times. Five times. He's just like, nope. I didn't see anything. Go back. All right. Nope. And so God answered Elijah's petition. As he persevered in prayer. And I believe that God is calling our church to a greater perseverance of prayer. And I feel like it's really going to be a fight for all of us. Because we are living in a day that says perseverance is a problem. Quick is the way to get solutions. Perseverance is a problem. But I really believe that we're going to need it in the days ahead. We're going to need to know how to stand in uncomfortable spaces for long periods of time and not quit. Can I just tell you, if you can take a note, you can jot this down, that quitting will hinder your receiving. Quitting will hinder your receiving. It'll be a cellar door when the rain is coming down. A cellar door. And so in between the promise of rain and the rain, there was a posture of prayer. There was an earnest prayer. There was a prayer and there was a looking. There was a prayer and there was a watching. I think Jesus might have said it best. He said, watch and pray. Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray that you don't fall. That you don't quit. That you don't give, give up. That you don't lose heart. That you don't get complacent. 
Watch and pray. This word in the Greek, watch, it means to stay awake, to be vigilant. I love this, to be responsible. But as Jesus is saying, hey, keep your eyes awake. Don't, don't quit. Stay alert. Stay awake. Stay focused. Don't slack off. Don't lose sight. Don't lose heart. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36 says it this way. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Quitting will hinder your reception. Quitting will hinder your receiving. Perseverance is a key. I'm not saying it's the key, but in certain times it is a key to the promise. Galatians chapter 6 verses Galatians chapter 6 verses 9. Do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap a harvest if you what? If you faint not. But can I just tell you, it's hard to persevere today. Not just because technology, but when there is a famine and a drought in particular areas of our life, it's just not fun. This is California. This is one of our reservoirs. Everybody's feeling it. I ran into somebody from our church yesterday, and it's just weird, the conversations that we have, right? We're, we're like, hey, do you water your grass? I don't know. You water yours? <laughs> do you know? <laughs> like that, that's the feeling. We just got on the topic of, hey, how are, your, how are your neighbors with, you know, all this stuff? And we just, I don't know how we got on the topic of water, but it's just interesting that drought is a topic of conversation. We're, we're, we're all mindful that we live in a, in a dry and a weary land. We all realize that, that, we're, we're in trouble if we run out of water because water is a matter of life and death. And, and we get that. How many of you guys love a good shower though? Man, hot, just sitting there for a long period of time. How many of you guys feel like a little convicted? Some of you guys don't even care. You're like, I don't even care. God's going to make it rain. I'm a shower. I'm believing. But, but a drought is a period of dryness when prolonged that causes excessive damage to crops and prevents successful growth. So it hinders life. It's hard to live when you're in a drought. It's hard to live when you're in a drought relationally. It's hard to persevere in prayer. You'd much rather grab the person. You'd much rather quit and go isolate. Much rather never get into a small group because I just have relational issues. I'm in a drought relationally. When you're in a drought physically, oh, it's tough. When your physical body's in pain all the time, it's hard to persevere. And as I'm getting older, I'm understanding this more. I used to think like, oh, man, it's just your back. Come on. Now I'm like, I get it. <laughs> L5S1. The conversations we have when we start to get older, it's funny. But it, 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 it's hard to persevere when you're, when you're in a drought financially when your career is in a drought, when you're single and you don't see a cloud. You're like, man, God, look again. When, when culturally, like there, there's a moral decay that just seems mind-boggling. It just feels like, why even try? It just looks so dark and so tough. Persecution, it's way easier just to quit because of the pressure of, man, if I represent Christ or if I'm bold about my faith or if I'm unashamed of the gospel, that could, it could suffer ramifications. We see the, the, the reality of the world that we live in. We, we see the reality of this cancel culture that if you say the wrong thing, like, then they can wipe you off the map. 
creates fear. It's easy to quit. It's easy to hide. It's easy to get behind that wine press or that cellar door, and I'm just going to try to survive in it of all of this. Let me read to you something I read on Wednesday about the Texas Army, the National, uh, Texas Army National Guard. They have a special force or workers called riggers. Their job is to fold and pack the parachutes that the soldiers use when jumping from the airplane at 5,000 feet. These people are intensely dedicated to their task. Their creed states, I will be sure always. They know that as uh, the jumpers that they're serving need assurance that everything regarding the shoot is perfect. So into the 20 minutes that it takes to meticulously pack an MC1 military parachute, 30 folds are required. A jumper has nothing to do with the shoot until they put it on before the jump. Trust in the, they trust in the air-free performance of the team and their confidence is fully on their ability to execute. The Riggers Creed further states, I will never let the idea that a piece of work is good enough make me a potential murderer through careless mistakes and oversight, for I know there can be no compromise with perfection. Riggers know that the parachute business is a life or death enterprise. Mistakes cost lives. There's no room for complacency. And so I, I just, I, as, as I was reading that a little bit differently this week, I just thought, I, I really believe God is calling us to pray like they pack. Uh, like we're praying like life and death is really on the line. Like there's no room, there's no margin for complacency. There's no room for error. I'm not going to just, you know, take the fact that, oh, I'm sure God will send somebody else, use somebody else. But that we, we, we pray like they pack. We don't quit. Every fold, every fold, every fold, every fold, because heaven and hell is in the balance. Life and death is in the balance. And so, so, so what, what, what am I saying today? I'm saying that I believe that God is calling our church, especially as we enter into three days of fasting and prayer, that we get back to praying the promise, that we need to learn how to pray the promise. It's important that us as people of God know the word of God like immensely. Like, I want you to be free when you pray, but I also want you to have the habit of praying God's promises, God's word. Sometimes we're, we, we're just kind of way more random when we pray. We're just, and that's why we run out of stuff so easy. We're like, yeah, so, uh, I mean, yeah, I feel like I pray for everybody. I mean, then you just start rambling sometimes. When's the last time you laid a hold of a promise and you prayed it like they packed? And you did it over and over and over and over and over and over again. I want us to get in the habit of that as a church. Because when you're praying the promise, it gives your faith handles. It gives you something to hold on to. Because if God said it, then, I, man, I can, I can trust it. And so, so, so as, as Elijah would tell his servant, go and look again. I would say, listen, as we grab a hold of the promises of God, then as a single... God's word said it's not good that man should be alone. And if you don't have the gift of singleness and you have a desire to get married, you can rest confidently assured that you have a promise to hold on to. And if you've given up, you need to look again. You need to go back. If, if you were physically exhausted, emotionally wrecked, maybe you've been battling with depression, anxiety, maybe you've been battling with stuff on your job, maybe it's been financially, maybe it's one of those things that I listed or maybe I didn't list. You're like, hey, don't forget about this. Yeah, that too. 
What promise are you holding on to? What promise are you praying? Does your faith have some handles? Go back and look again. Jesus said, pray and watch. Pray and watch. I remember Romans chapter 15, verse 13. You need to know God's word, right? Because then it just comes up fresh. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you put your trust in him. And that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember I, I was, just got saved. I'm sitting in my car, and it was the first day that I had peace in a long time. Many of you guys know I've, been, I've shared openly, I battled with anxiety heavily when I first got saved. And I was sitting in my car, and I actually felt great. And I realized that it was a day that I was trusting God. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said there is joy and peace and belief, but I had never read that scripture before. I never read Romans 15, 13. So my devotions that day, this is why you got to have a consistent time in God's word. I go to the marina like I would all the time. I open up my Bible and guess what was in my devotions that day? Romans 15, 13. And I was like, God, you just spoke that to me in the car. That there's joy and peace and belief. There's a promise. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him. So when I trust in you, I have a promise that joy and peace are mine that they're available, and that I would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So hope is available and power, but the key is I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in you. And so what the promise does, when you pray the promise, what it does is it gives you a sound when you can't see. It gives you a sound to hold on to. It gives you a word to hold on to when you can't see a cloud. Went back after Wednesday night. We're getting ready for Thursday morning prayer. I went home Wednesday night so stirred. I just went, I didn't even know what to do. I was like, God, I feel like you're stirring something. And I went back to the Hebrides revival. It's one of my favorite times of revival. One of my favorite revivals throughout history. And so in 1949, two old women named Peggy and Christine. Come on, shout out to Peggy and Christine Smith. Ready for this? One of them 84 years of age. The other was 82. What, what were they burdened about? because of the state of the body of Christ in their community. They're like, there's no young people here in our churches anymore. It, our churches are dead. People come and it's just like, wow. there's no life, there's no breath. Wow. Can I just tell you, if you are in your latter years and you think God is done, you need to look again. You need to go back and look again. 80 years old, do you know she, uh, this woman battled, she was blind. And this other woman, or this woman was blind, and this woman battled with a, a crippling disease. And they were faithful in prayer to cry out to God. It says, the church in this little island of the Hebrides was in need of an awakening. These women took upon themselves to pray until revival comes. They spent hours in prayer, sometimes praying from 10 p.m. to 3 or 4 a.m. in their little college, in their little cottage, and revival finally broke out. But they prayed for years. And it wasn't just random prayers. This was the promise they prayed. Isaiah 44, verse 3, For I will pour water on the thirsty land. Come on. And streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. The, the, the prophet Isaiah right now is, because of all that God's people had gone through, is referring to God's people or because of all the trouble and the tragic and the 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 difficulty that they were facing, that God's people had been reduced to a thirsty land, dry ground. But under the outpouring of the Spirit of God, they thrive and they multiply. Yeah. 
And these women laid a hold of this verse and they prayed the promise. Lord, you said that it would roll throughout generations. One, one of the things I love about this is they knew where to turn. They didn't, they didn't, it wasn't just random. It was like, no, no, no. This is what you said. We're laying a hold of this. We're, we're getting some handles. We know, God. We know. But I think sometimes, unlike these women, we forget that many of our natural battles are rooted in a spiritual war. And so, and so we, we, we just don't, we don't contend and persevere in prayer like we ought to sometimes. It's because I just don't think we're discerning where the battle is actually fought and won. Ephesians chapter 6 is a passage that I want to point you to in just a minute, but I think many times we don't pray as much, and we're fighting way more naturally, and we're getting exhausted and tired easily. I mean, these women were physically impaired, but their spirits were alive and well. And and so I once heard Jack Hafer said it like this, you can't disciple a demon but you also can't cast off the flesh. I mean, you have to be able to discern what needs to be cast out and what needs to be discipled. We need to have discernment as we're engaging in this fight. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, we are fighting not against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities in the unseen world and mighty in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Again, let, let me just say this. If you just looked at this right here, do you think it would change your prayer life and my prayer life if, if we really believe this? I just don't know if we've really laid a hold of this reality. And I think it will reflect in our time of prayer, of where we, feel, or where we believe that breakthrough really comes from. So, so let me go, because I, I know I got cut, had me cut half my message, because we'd be here a long time today. Exodus chapter 17, Moses is leading his people out of slavery of Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. Surprise attack by the Amalekites. Now, a little backstory on the Amalekites. These guys were known as sorcerers. Um, these guys would do weird stuff, like they would skin animals, dress up like in their skin as they would fight battles, weird stuff. And they, they jump out and do a surprise attack. Now, these guys most, most likely worshipped the god Baal because they were just south of the Canaanites. Baal was the god of the Canaanites. They were just south of them. And Baal was considered the god of fertility and the god of water for drought. But rooted in the lie that Adam and Eve bought into in the garden that there can be fruitfulness and fertility outside of God himself. And so the same thing, the the very uh, prophets that Elisha was battling on Mount Carmel was the prophets of Baal. And he was saying, no, 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 your God is a false God. The God of Israel is the true God. And let me show you and let me demonstrate this. But look what it says in Deuteronomy 25. It says, remember. Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt, how they met you along the way and cut off your stragglers, those who were falling behind, those who were isolated. And what? They marched when you were exhausted and tired and they were unafraid of God. The enemy loves to attack when we're straggling, exhausted, and tired. He wants to get us to quit. He wants to get us to give up. He does not want us to persevere. And so what ends up happening is the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. And Moses said to Joshua, choose some men, go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come up.
So Joshua had experienced God's presence corporately. He saw the Red Sea part. He saw water come from the rock. But now he's about to experience God's presence personally. Because as, as they're getting ready to launch into this fight, Joshua's never fought a battle in his life. And now Moses is saying, hey, build a team and go figure it out, dude. I'm going to be on top of the hill with the staff. Joshua was probably like, hey, that staff is used for wonders, signs, miracles, a demonstration of God's power against his enemies and judgment for those who don't like him. How about you get in the, in the field? We'll cheer you on from the top. But Moses is saying, no, 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 We're, you're going to see something right here, Joshua. You're going to see it's about praying and watching. You're going to watch in the field. But I'm going to pray on the top. You gotta, it, there, there's, there, we we got to have a both end. You got to pray and you got to look. You got to pray and you got to go. I, I, think, I think so many times we, we, we get this confused. But I'm not going to talk about that yet. So Moses is at the top. Pray and watch, Joshua. Pray and watch. I got the staff. You go into the battle. Now, the staff was a sign of God's power, but it was also a sign of God's promise and a reminder that God would fight for them. And, and so it would have built their faith, but, but more importantly, God is teaching them to understand the power of prayer and his presence, that it's by his power that we are saved and that we overcome. And so Joshua was exhausted, Joshua was weary, Joshua was tired, but then he, he experiences a supernatural win, just like Elisha running with chariots. Joshua was in the battle, fighting a battle and winning a battle that he, he had never fought before. He's fighting trained military people. And they noticed when Moses' hands were lifted up, they would win the battle. And the mo moment that Moses would drop his hands because he was getting tired and weary, wanted to quit, that they would start to lose. And so the cry is like, keep your hands lifted. This is amazing. I don't know if they had swords, little daggers. I don't know if they were punching each other. I don't know what it looked like. But Moses had a promise. You're taking... They're taking us to the land. See, the promise of God not only shifts our perspective in the battle, because they're looking up, the rod and the staff. God, you said, we just saw you do the sea. We just saw you do the water from the rock. We, we know you can do it again. We know you can go back and remember what you told us. See, the promise not only shifts our perspective of the battle, it supernaturally empowers us for the battle beyond our own ability. That's why some of us, we walk around so tired and exhausted now because we're fighting naturally. And God's like, I wanna fight for you. There's a way. So Moses is teaching them about prayer and about warfare. I said it this way, that Moses' task to lift up the rod was not merely an encouragement to increase their faith, but to teach them intercessory prayer, to make sure their faith was in the right place to make sure that their dependence was in the right place, where the power comes from. And it's so easily to bypass the logic of this. What do you want me to go look again? It's five times. You mean you're gonna go on the mountain and lift up your little stick? Why don't you get in the fight? It's so hard for us sometimes to see God's ways and our ways, God's logic and our logic. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to see that lifting your hands can change the battle. That getting on your knees can actually move mountains, push back 
darkness. I feel like we've just forgotten that. So we're trying to fight with our wisdom, trying to fight with our strength, and it's all good. It's just misprioritized. You can't just fight, you have to pray and fight. You have to pray and watch. You have to watch and pray. You have to pray and look. You have to pray and you have to go. And so I think for some of us, we're, we're weary because we pray, but there's no fight. We pray, but we never look. And some of us, we're always fighting, but we're never praying. We're always looking, but we're never praying. And so a lot of times I think our faith is more in our fight than God's fight. We have more faith in our fight than his. That's why when, when God says things like vengeance belongs to me, we're like, yeah, I hear you, but that ain't going to work. So true. Because we really don't believe that God is going to actually bring right justice. But in reality, God knows it all and he's able to rightly judge and give, you know, treat everybody according to whatever needs to happen. Like God is capable of that. But we don't think so. We don't believe that. So we take it into our hands. We take the fight. Matthew Henry said it this way, when the host goes forth against the enemy, earnest prayer should be made to the God of hosts for his presence with them. It is here that praying legions proves to be the thundering legion. Thing that I love about Joshua and thing that I love about Elisha is they prayed the promise, but they beheld the promiser. They were able to hold the promise because they beheld the promiser. They trusted him. They knew his character. They knew he was faithful. They knew he was good. They knew he was true. Even when God would tell some of these prophets, hey, you're going to go tell the people they're not going to listen to you. But I still want you to go and talk to them. Really? Just do it. Okay. And Joshua, at the end of all of this, fell in love with the presence of God. When you fall in love with the presence of God, oh, it's easy to hold to the promise of God. And he fell in love with the presence of God. In fact, it says this. It says that in the Israel, this is later down the road, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks with a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would not depart from the tent. What was he do? He just, I'm just going to persevere. I'm going to pray. I'm going to bask. I'm just going to be in your presence. I love your presence. I'm not just holding the promise. I'm beholding the promiser. And Joshua lived a powerful life. It, it, it was said, Moses said at the end of all of this, he said, I want you, uh, oh, where's it at? I want you to write in and remember. And I'm just going to skip to the end. The Lord said this, that Mo, the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll, something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. Sometimes you have to hear it before you can see it. Joshua was gonna need this over and over and over. As he's standing now, Moses is dead. He's looking at the walls of Jericho and he can't see it. And you could see him trying to fight it on his own, but then what happens? He has an encounter in the presence of God falls to his knees and God says, I'm going to show you how to take this city. Remember, I'm your banner. Go back. Look again. Write it down. Remember it. 
don't forget, he's the banner. And Moses knew Joshua was going to need this over and over and over again because they didn't take the promised land in one. It was Jericho, then it was Ai, and then city after city, territory, fight after fight, promise and battle and rain, promise and battle and rain, promise and battle and prayer and rain. I mean, this, this was Joshua's life. And I believe that this is what God is calling us to remember today. Moses didn't give himself credit, but God the glory saying, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi. He is the one who fights for us. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Grab your communion cup. Communion is a great way to remember the promise. And I believe today that the Lord wants us to go back and remember all that he is all that he's done, all that he's able to do. His power, his peace, his might, his glory, he's the banner. And so, so Joshua told Moses, Moses told Joshua, they said, hey, make sure you guys write this down. Joshua's gonna need this. And Jesus said, for you and I, he said, hey guys, make sure, make sure you take communion. I never want you to forget this. You're gonna need this. You're going to need to remember who I am and what I've done. You're going to need this for the rest of your life. You're going to need me to go before you in everything. You're going to need me to, you're going to need to keep your eyes fixed upon me. You can't forget this. So the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body. Don't forget. This is where the power lies in the broken body of Jesus. The last to be first and the first to be last. Don't forget how things work in the kingdom. It's different than the world. It's upside down. It's not logical. The way up is down. The, the way to get the power of God is to realize you're spiritually bankrupt and they're in need of a savior. Don't forget. Don't try to fight it in yourself. As often as you eat, he said, eat it and remember some me. You can eat the bread. And then would you stand for the cup? Then he took the cup and he said, this is my, my body. This is the, the covenant in my, in my blood. New covenant. Don't forget that my blood was shed for your forgiveness. Don't forget my grace. Don't forget my mercy. Don't, don't forget my power that yeah, I died, but I rose again on the third day. Don't forget the compassion. Don't forget the resurrection. Remember as you're fighting battles, I go before you. I go before you. Don't quit. Don't stop now. Look again. Go back. He told the church of Ephesus, he said, you guys are doing great, but you've lost your first love. Go back. Look again. Go back. Remember again. Go back and look and remember and repent so that that lampstand does not get removed. Ooh. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. Father, I pray today that you would seal this in our hearts. My question to you, church, today is this. You need to find your promise. We have it so easy. You can go buy a book of promises. You know, I look, anxiety, all the promises in the Bible. Fear all the promises in the Bible. Like we have it so easy. But we got to pray and persevere. Not just let the promises sit on the shelf. 
find your promise. Pray the promise. Let's hold on. Let's believe. Like these 80-year-old women were like, no, no, no. The state of the body of Christ, there's more. Look again. Go back. Don't stop now. Father, seal this word in our hearts today. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you're here today and you need to surrender your life to Jesus, you need to give your life to the Lord, maybe rededicate your life, maybe you need to come back home, I want to invite you to come to the front. We want to pray with you and for you. So as everybody's making their way out, you make your way up. Don't be scared and don't miss your moment. Don't stop now. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love Him deeply, and follow Him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.